Welcome, everyone, to All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast 126. We said we'd be back on our regular Tuesday slot. I guess you might listen to this on Wednesday, but it's now the 27th of January 2015. And I am Steve Litchfield. With me, I have Rafe Blanford. Hello, everybody. Yes, we seem to really be packing the uh, podcast in. This is actually the third one in eight days, at least, in the recording <laughs> schedule. Uh, but there's quite a bit to talk about. We've uh, finally seen the Lumia Camera 5 come out and also some reflections, I guess, on uh, Windows 10. We'll still be talking about that, I think, in future podcasts. We're going to concentrate a bit more on sort of news that's going to be current for Windows phone users right now, including financial results and some uh, software updates. And of course, our usual look at all the details of imaging. We've been getting very excited about that this week, haven't we, Steve? <laughs> we have, but we did, did promise to look at some of the um, application updates, and we'll do that later in this podcast before we forget about it completely. Um, just very, very briefly, Microsoft financial reports. I know Rafe normally does the these, but he's rather busy at work today, so I just did a brief uh, summary and a few quotes. The headline figure, really, the only one people really need to worry about, is that the uh, Microsoft sold 10.5 million Lumias in quarter four 2014, and I kind of estimated there will be another million Windows phones from other assorted manufacturers and OEMs in that quarter. So 11.5 million, the number's certainly going up, Rafe. Um, uh, is it going up fast enough, I guess, and is it going up fast enough to carry on and keep the momentum going until the autumn when Windows 10 comes on str on stream? Good question, Steve. I mean, on the face of it, it's up from a year ago when I think it was around 8 million devices. This is, in fact, the quarter that sold most Lumia devices. And so in that sense, you know, reason to be optimistic, the continued momentum. On the other hand, it's still a long way from what's probably a break-even point. Now, we don't know what that is now for Microsoft because we don't get so many figures as when it was part of Nokia, but we always suggested it was between sort of 12 and 15 million devices. It depends what the operating expenditure is and all that kind of thing. And I would imagine that remains true, and if anything, it would have um, gone up a little bit. That's not really the point for Microsoft, of course, because they want to be in this business, uh, but you can see from some of the write-downs that are going on that you know they are making money from their Windows Phone hardware sales. As I say, that's sort of being a little too pessimistic about it. One of the interesting highlights that came out of these results is that it looks like the Windows Phone license fees, which of course are now non-existent because Microsoft has got rid of them, accounted for roughly half the revenue in the Windows Phone division or from the Windows Phone or mobile division, the other half coming from things like the Android patent license agreements. Those license fees for Windows Phone, of course, the majority of which would have been coming from Nokia when we're talking about the pre-acquisition days, um, was probably a bit more than analysts were expecting. And so Microsoft has actually given up quite a bit. But I suspect the attention uh, for Microsoft on these set of results will be, this is the first time they've done more than 10 million Windows Phone devices. It's still pretty small compared to the rest of the smartphone industry. And if you look at the global figures for the year 2014, it's sort of about between two and a half and three percent. And I think more telling actually is the fact or the statistic that the iPhone and Apple outsold all Nokia devices. And that includes all the feature phones, which diminished, um, I think it's down to about 40 million units in the last quarter. So that slide has continued. Nothing particularly unexpected. Um, but even so, when you compare it to the rest of uh, Microsoft businesses, you know, it's, well, the revenue of 2.3 billion, perhaps, yes, it's a billion dollar business, but given the context, I think there's uh, reasons for Microsoft to hope for that to grow a lot more and to be a lot bigger in the future, but they've got a long, long way to go still. 
I mean, the more positives were things like the uh, surface revenue of up 1.1 billion. You know, that's now become a billion dollar business. You know, the Office 365 subscribers up as well um, to pretty significant levels. And I think it's 9.2 million, 30% up sequentially. And so, you know, in terms of the big picture, I think Microsoft's results were pretty good this time round. But the, the, there is, from our point of view, always going to be an attention on the mobile side. And I don't think there's any real surprises here. You've been asked to guess ahead of time. This is probably the level most people would have gone for. Seems to be in line with most analyst expectations. But there is, is that kind of nagging feeling that you know, it's taken a long time for them to get here. And it's going to continue to take a long time to go on. Um, just to kind of put that into context, I think that uh, Windows Phone has taken 20 quarters to get to this uh, 10 million units and, and above in terms of sales. You can argue that it's done it in some previous quarters with, if you start including other manufacturing devices, and as you say, probably about a million of those. But if you uh, look at iOS and Android, they both managed to get that level quicker. And of course, the smartphone market, when they were doing that, was uh, significantly more immature. There weren't so many smartphones being sold. So it's just this continued picture of Microsoft really struggling to get the volumes up. We talked about how Windows 10 might improve that in the last podcast. It'd be really interesting to see what that happens. But until then, I suspect the first half of the year, it will continue to be, you know, slow progress. There may even be a little bit of fallback. Um, and it feels like we say this on a broken record, and I'm sure I should uh, <laughs> advise myself to go back into the past or go into the future, whichever way around you want to look at it and send this message. Wait another six months. It'll be all right in the second half of the year or whatever six months on happens to be. Uh, but it does feel like there is certainly a, a big change coming up. And I think Windows 10 will have a have an, a, an impact. It's just how big it's going to be. Um, and the, this you know, change in the low end, we saw that's what drives most device volumes. I don't think the mid-tier devices like the 830 and the 735 have really kicked in yet. So it'll be interesting to see what they do in the next couple of quarters. Yeah, of course, in fairness, for all the other mo- mobile um, platform they've all got something that's around the corner whether it's android 5 or ios 9 and uh, these things are always changing and, and the people who are intimately involved with each platform the real power users enthusiasts they're always looking for something better they're, lo- they're always looking for grass that is greener so i don't think we're alone in the windows phone world right <laughs> and to be fair i mean i've made the point several times um yes windows phone has a relatively small market share but it's still selling something like uh, a quarter of the number of iphones in the world if you take the average iphone sales per quarter now, I know the iPhone itself is a very high-priced um, device and Apple make a lot of profit from it, whereas Microsoft don't make half as much, if not a tenth as much profit on each Windows phone. But to say, okay, for every four iPhones sold, one Windows phone is sold, that, that actually starts to sound quite impressive to the, the man in the street who thinks that Apple is a wild success. So it, it, this is it's lies, damn lies and statistics as ever, Rafe. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to remember that We've talked in the past about what's the sustainable level of smartphones. And actually, when you start talking about 40 million a year, that's, you know, an ecosystem in itself. Of course, it doesn't measure up against Android and iOS, and that's a problem. But it's not that difficult to think back 10 years, and 40 million actually encompass the entirety of the smartphone market. And actually, that probably sets more about how the smartphone market has grown sort of some 35-fold over the last decade. But even so, I think you have to try and look at it in, in perspective and context. And as you say, you... I think people who want to be cheerful about it will find reasons to be cheerful about it. Um, and certainly there hasn't been the wiping out of Windows Phone that some people thought there might be. It's just going to be this really slow grind, this struggle for for Microsoft. And uh, also, it, you know, a lot of people obsess on the unit volumes. I think you do have to think about usage as well. And of course, a lot of the Android phones, you know, that are all conquering really, 
they won't be being used as smartphones. And um, actually, the same is true of some of the low-end Windows phone devices. So it's not something that's you know, exclusive to Android. You look at iOS, although they're actually representing a small market share and it's shrinking, actually still the dominant smartphone in terms of usage is the iPhone. If you look at things like e-commerce sales on mobile or even uh, web traffic, actually there's a, it depends on the market you look at, but uh, there's a, a much greater share or mind share or usage share for iPhone. And actually Windows Phone is a little bit proportionally greater than uh, Android, as in many things. It's kind of like Windows Phone sits somewhere between iOS and Android. So it, it's easy to get hung up on these shipment numbers, uh, but I suppose the, you know, they're going in the right direction. And um, I think as long as you understand that, but also understand it in the context of it making up a small portion of the market, you can probably keep a realistic view on Windows Phone's pro- progress and prospects. Yeah, and I can't believe we've got 10 minutes into the podcast and we haven't mentioned Lumia Denim yet. So let's co- correct okay, that right now. Now, I got a denim on my Lumia 930 about a day or so after we recorded the last podcast, which means I was able to rip right into all the Lumia Camera 5 stuff. And before I go into detail on that, I just wanted to ask you, have you managed to get denim on any of your devices and just any initial impressions other than the camera? Well, I got it on my 930, but only very recently. So I can't talk about it in detail, but I did rather like the, the Hey Cortana stuff that's been going on. And I'm sort of looking over at my 9.30, half expecting it to wake up <laughs> when I, I say that phrase. Try again. And uh, I'll, I'll have to try again and see whether this time it's actually going to wake up. And I'll go, hey, Cortana. And there we go. You can probably hear it beep in the background. Yeah. It's asked me what's up, and it's now trying to listen to everything that I'm saying. And not, to be honest, getting the dictation is actually spot on. Well, actually, it's not doing that but bad a job. But uh, it's probably getting very confused by this very long sentence. So I'm just going <laughs> to put it down and lock it again. But it's one of those features that I think it's entirely dependent on whether you're comfortable speaking to your phone or not. And it works best still if you pick up the phone and sort of hold it in front of you and do something. Although I have been using it a couple of times when it's been on the desk sort of uh, about a foot away and just sort of said, hey, Cortana, slightly louder. Felt slightly stupid doing it. (laughs) Asked it a question. And it really works best for those questions where it's able to give you a direct response like you ask whether it's going to rain tomorrow or what the weather's like or some calculation or conversion and then it will just pop up the answer straight away for you know the web search results generally you're going to have to click on something so less useful um i've also really enjoyed the live folders that you get with denim it's just if you've got a lot of tiles on your start screen can start to feel quite cumbersome you're scrolling all the time especially when if you're like me you probably got some that you don't use so much but you've got such a long app list you kind of feel you want them on the start screen and so i have a content folder that's got all the things like a iPlayer, Kindle, Kobo, and a couple of others, and 4OD, all all those kind of on-demand TV services, plus uh, reading and a couple of magazines and things like that, as well as news apps. And it's just the one spot I can go to if I want to get some content on the phone. And yes, it's an extra tap, essentially, but that's fine by me. So I think that's something that's actually been overdue for a while. Um, think about some of the other things. I've had the developer preview, um, so I've had some of them for a while. Um, so it's it's kind of some of the, the smaller updates as well in the settings dialog and things like that. So nothing else that really jumps out and goes, that's amazing. Probably because it's all been overshadowed by the camera, which I've been playing with. And uh, maybe I'll come back to some of the other denim updates uh, in due course and appreciate them for what they are. Yeah. And uh, I think I wanted to go briefly into this uh, rich capture thing, because it's something I've been looking forward to playing with for uh, quite a while. Uh, the, 
I did do an editorial on which I had a nice chart. I, I felt uh, in this particular case, Rafe, a diagram was probably worth a thousand <laughs> words. And actually, I managed to put a thousand words around it as well as the diagram rather foiling the point. But I think the diagram and the chart, we'll link to it in the show notes, gets the point across. Um, th- there's two things, really. One is the fact that I wanted to dig into how rich capture works. I, at what stage is the processing done by the software, in the, in the, by the various cores in the smartphone? At what stage is the oversampling done? What do you end up with? Um, why, for example, do you have to reframe in a separate application rather than in the bowels of the camera application? Um, but over and above all of these things, what are the actual practical implications to the user? And I, and I, I gather you've been shooting many of your photographs with Lumia Camera 5 with rich capture on, I guess, because it's kind of a novelty in order to see what it does. But I wanted to make the point that you're actually wasting quite a bit of memory um, storage space in, space in the phone. And as an example, a typical um, normal 5 megapixel photo takes up about a megabyte. Uh, at the high resolution you get on things like the 930 and the 1520, the 20 megapixel or 16 megapixel if you're in 69 mode, um, it's normally about another 6 megabytes. That's 7 megabytes per image. If you then turn on rich capture and do the same photograph, you're up to 30 megabytes uh, at a maximum. And so you're roughly four times as much space is taken up per image. Now, if you're taking 50, 60, 70 images, all of a sudden your entire this Lumia 930, which is unexpandable, starts filling up very, very quickly. And my advice and the real, the biggest takeaway from my rather exhaustive breakdown of where how all the different files are managed and where they end up, the, the main takeaway really is that you shouldn't really have rich capture turned on all the time. It's only actually useful, as you can imagine, for things like sunsets and people you're taking against dark backgrounds and you want to get the ambience of the background plus their face lit up by a flash. There are specific use cases that probably we, most of us only actually encounter once or twice a week where rich capture will be really, really handy. And you let the, the camera and the software do all the work and then you basically decide how you want it to look later on. But for 99% of the photographs that you and I take, Rafe, I contend you can actually leave rich capture off and just use the bog standard oversampling and the bog standard pretty good Lumia Denim algorithms and save an awful lot of space. Mm. So what Steve's saying is the rich capture that we spent the last six months getting ever so excited about is just going to turn off. Uh, I, I, I agree with you. You're right. I think for most users, there will be this, do I want to use it or not? And I think part of the joy of it is you don't have to think about whether you use it. You just turn it on and then you get the stuff afterwards. Um, and that is somewhat mitigated by the fact that it's kind of a thing that you turn on and off. And I suspect a lot of people could end up using the air camera application without really being aware of what it is, not really understanding it. Um, there's a certain amount of education that needs to be done, and it's almost trial and error. you working out you know, where you get the best results. And as you said, it is in those situations where maybe you've got different light levels. Or uh, again, it's really the what we talk about as the edge cases where just a kind of the standard camera capture doesn't work quite as well because it can't quite judge it properly. But it does feel like they're getting fewer and fewer simply because the algorithms on the Lumia camera software is getting better and better at getting those judgments right and you know often better than a human in terms of judging what the settings would be I mean I have to work quite hard to do better than the Lumia camera when I'm fiddling with the settings manually and you know with rich capture actually that's going to be even more true because you you can combine things in so actually based on the sort of first day or so of usage I would say the most exciting thing about Lumia Camera 
five is not rich capture it's actually the performance improvements and just how quick it now is when taking a picture and it it's really quite astounding i mean rather embarrassingly i was sort of stabbing away at the button going oh what's happening it's it's not taking a picture and in the in that time of course it had taken a picture and it was trying to drop into the 4k video mode which you get if you Mm -hmm. hold down the uh, shutter button so there is just a little bit of getting used to just how quick it now is and really really quite amazing in terms of a software update to see that level of improvement in the speed of camera capture and i would say it's right up there with the iphone now in terms of that you know uh, shot to shot time and that you know shutter time getting all the focusing and all that so that in itself is incredibly impressive even before we sort of start talking about rich capture which uh, don't get me wrong is capable of some pretty impressive results um i haven't really been in enough situations to really push it where those kind of that hdr mode uh, really makes a difference and uh, i've I don't know about you, Steve, I've come across a few problems with things like the, the flash mode in terms of slightly blurry images. And so there is clearly room for a bit of improvement as well. I can explain that. That, that of course, is because if you're do, doing this rich capture, it obviously takes two or three images. Indeed. And if, and it, especially if you're lighting one of them up with a flash and, and one of them without a flash, then you're presumably in a low light situation. And the slightest movement in your hands holding the, the phone, now I know there's OIS and that copes with a certain wobble, but the slightest reframing and not 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 pure view reframing the slightest reframing that you physically moving the the phone and changing the view and of course the rich capture can do nothing you end up with a blurry result because you got possibly blurry photographs being meant blended blurrily by trying to put one on top <laughs> of the other um so i think that is always going to remain a, a, a limitation i did mention that in the article Indeed. these are by on any smartphone and any os the moment you've got hdr or rich capture whatever you want to call it, you're taking photographs over a specific time period. And if there are things moving, if your hand holding the camera phone is moving, then you will get some weird effects if that movement is large enough. And I just wanted to uh, comment, you said about speed there. Of course, one of the reasons it can be so fast is they've completely rewritten Lumia camera here to take advantage of the, the, the quad-core processors and these, and these Snapdragon 800 devices. So they literally parcel off all the stuff that was taking the time to one of the other cores while they got on with the, the main core and running the UI, which is why it's so incredibly quick. I actually ended up using just the sh- on-screen shutter key because I found that the shutter, the mechanical shutter key on the side of the 930 was just so incredibly sensitive given that it was key to this 4K capture. So I would tend to just launch the camera with the mechanical shutter key and then thereafter use the on-screen interface unless I wanted to take a 4K burst. But yeah, really impressive how they've, they've parceled off all the oversampling, all the processing, all the image saving, everything's been taken off to the different cores, which is exactly how a smartphone chipset should be used. So I think just well done, Microsoft, and well done, the ex-Nokia engineers. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really quite staggering achievement that's probably one of their, their most impressive efforts. I mean, things like uh, the DNG support we sort of praised in the past as being something quite groundbreaking but in terms of the impact on everyday users i think this is going to be it's really hard to think of something that improves this you know in in certainly in terms of a software update now if you think about some of the revolutionary hardware things that have happened over the years sure they fall into a similar category but to have your phone go from one day for taking well certainly half a second um, and sometimes longer and certainly when we talk about shot to shot times to being i mean as close to instant as you you can get and 
I, I sort of hesitate to say that because I'm sure there are room for improvements and there's always going to be a little bit faster. But uh, I think it's, I mean, would you say, Steve, that one of the reasons that the iPhone has got such a good reputation as a camera phone is that ability to take pictures ever so quickly when people pull it up, snap something, then, you know, put it away again. And really, uh, Lumia Camera 5 gets very close to matching that kind of experience now. Uh, I would agree with that. I also think the iPhone does particularly well because Apple have done a, a stellar job at image processing, much as Samsung Indeed. has, much as Nokia had in the past. And I think it's just a few manufacturers, people like Huawei maybe, and uh, definitely Sony, who have been underperforming, making the others seem really good. But, of course, image processing should be really good, and, and uh, well done to Apple. And just one other thing you mentioned was the, the 4K video from which you can extract mo- uh, moments. That does use this uh, external application, Lumia Moments, but that also worked really, really well and one of the editorials I'm planning for the next week or so is to compare the quality from um, the 8 megapixel extracted stills with what you'd get if you just took that as a still shot. In other words, how much quality are you gaining or losing by using uh, images derived from what is essentially a MP4 video? I suspect you're going to, there will be some quality loss, but it'll be perfectly good enough for most people, especially because they'll get mo- literally moments in time that they would just have missed if they tried to do it as a still shot. Indeed, and I think the use case for that is particularly, you know, if you think about social media uploads or even printing out at 5 by 4 they're certainly good enough for that kind of thing. What, what's interesting here, of course, is rich capture seems to make the most sense for the, the subjects not moving or landscapes, especially when there's a great deal of light variation. Then yes. there's kind of the default mode, which, you know, you can fall back and use pretty much anything on. But actually where the kind of the 4K capture, this sort of short video clips make a lot of sense is when you have got something in motion that might be someone, you know, jumping into a pool or, you know, a pet walking across the lawn or something like that or, you know, children running about whatever it might be of course then you can actually select the frame that you want from that motion you know capturing that exact precise moment which is otherwise very hard to do even if you have got this near instant capture button um, you you still you know, just because of human reactions and not you know seeing yeah quite yeah. right you you, know, you can't get capture motion that way and so in some ways it feels to me like there's been three separate identifiable updates in terms of the actual places you might take photos and they do kind of measuring quite nicely to these three new areas and say 4k for kind of motion capture rich capture for sort of edge cases where the lighting conditions are a a bit variable Uh, and there are some more cases there as well and then this kind of faster capture just generally means you're more likely to get the shot you want and uh and say really quite staggering that this is all in one software update so i think we've absolutely been justified in sort of getting excited about this for the last few months (laughs) and i'm I'm really looking forward to actually going out and using this sort of in day-to-day rather than just uh i mean when i installed this update it was we'll go out and take some photos just to see how it all works and actually haven't really taken much as i would in sort of just day-to-day natural usage and so i'm looking forward to seeing some of the results out from that and it's kind of still burning about which situations are best, which does bring up a, an interesting topic. Despite me saying that I thought rich capture was all about making it ever so easy to use the camera, you didn't have to think about it. I think, in all honesty, to get the best results, you are still going to have to think about it, and there's yeah. still still room for improvement there. And you know, I think you sort of um, effectively mentioned this in the article as well, talking about the different UIs that are required and how you might do this rich capture editing and reframing. It still feels like there's room to have that all into kind of a single seamless interface. Uh, I get that that's hard to do for various reasons um, in terms of both the implementation and the software, but um, there's plenty still for the imaging teams to work on. Um, so 
congratulations guys excellent job nice now can you get on with the next update please <laughs> i will say that a lot of people in the comments on several of the denim articles i've done so far they said go oh, steve can you compare this and compare that and can you analyze whatever and yes the answer is yes to all of them i've got a whole catalog of um, Lumia Camera 5 and Denim articles I'm waiting to publish, but I don't want to overwhelm the front page with Steve goes all imaging mad for a week. <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to space it out, guys. So do be, be patient, but you will see it all on allaboutwindowsphone.com in the next week or two. Um, this to very mention, uh, mention briefly, Rafe, uh, the rollout of Denim has been fairly slow. So far, I've been watching the avail official availability page, and it seems it's just a couple of the low-end phones, the 1320 and some of the 930 so far. I think there's a lot of speculation as exactly what the 920, 925 and 1020 will get. I suspect it'll be very little, very little over and above the preview for developers. But uh, for whatever reason, the rollout is going fairly slowly. I guess it's Microsoft taking it slow but sure and fixing bugs as they go. It is. And also, I mean, there will be an element of operators have to sign off on these things. I've seen a couple of comments from various UK operators saying uh, they haven't got the software or they're working on it. I think they probably do have the software. I know this update has been uh, been in testing for a while in various places. Uh, I think it's just one of those things that unfortunately it seems to take a bit of time and it, you can't help but compare it to you know, the Apple world where all the updates kind of happen simultaneously. Of course, part of the reason for that is um, Apple's got a bit more leverage over the operators in order to say, I want you to test this right now. And so you can almost imagine the testing team um, promoting that over any other device that might be in testing but also you know they they get everything ready and then they do the update um you know, for operators there is going to be a lower priority on some of these windows phone devices the same thing actually happens for the android devices um so you know if you get frustrated it's sort of understandable but the update's definitely on the way and uh, from my understanding is that we're going to see quite a few more in an acceleration of the process in the next week or so. I suspect it's been a little slow initially as there's been some testing and there's, you know, as always, a few teething problems. Um, but we don't have any particular inside track on that. It's just uh, some mutterings in the back channels. Yeah, yeah. Now, as promised in the previous podcast, there were three or four different uh, third-party stroke platform applications that were updated and we just gave them a name check basically but i just would like to spend a few minutes on some of them rafe um dropbox finally arrived we mentioned you mentioned just dropped it into the chat last week a uh, dropbox finally arrived from rudy hoyne the and uh, the guy behind several star windows phone applications it's a universal application that so also works as a, on the windows runtime on windows 8 etc etc and the biggest limitation as a Dropbox client and Windows Phone, I would argue, is the fact that you can't upload just any file to it. You, at the moment, it's limited just to uploading media from your photo sub. And I suspect, though, with Windows Phone 8.1, update 1, I don't see any reason, Rafe, why Rudy can't also add um, share to Dropbox from all sorts of other applications on the platform. So I suspect that in a future update in the next coming weeks, we could well see that, at which point you can, for example, from Office, um, just say, okay, share this document to Dropbox and up it'll go. But it's not quite there yet, but a good start. Yeah, I, I think that's a reasonable assumption. Certainly it's possible now in terms of the APIs, something that hasn't been uh, in the past. And uh, a developer of the quality of uh, Rudy, I'd expect him to, to get onto that sooner rather than later. In some ways, I think it's really interesting that uh, I think a developer who's very well known in the Windows Phone world for kind of bringing third-party services to Windows Phone through unofficial apps, and it's things like Instagram, um, but also Tinder and a number of others as well, uh, 
has actually been tasked to create the official app and indeed actually had a couple of cloud storage apps under the six branding um, including uh, Dropbox incidentally (laughs) and so it's kind of uh, nice to see him get a bit of recognition and presumably a commercial agreement out of it as well it's a good way for Dropbox to get a pretty high quality app arrive Uh, it does feel like it's a first version in that as you say there are some limitations it's notable also, of course, for being a, a universal app, so it also works on Windows 8 and Windows RT devices, which I think is nice to have. But Dropbox is obviously one of those ones that's kind of a, a big name out there. You know, the people who are deeply into the Microsoft ecosystem are probably already using OneDrive, but I suspect there's a lot of people who have, you know, have legacy accounts on Dropbox or use Dropbox as their main cloud storage account for various reasons. So it's absolutely great to see it on Windows Phone. It does feel long overdue. Uh, I will say, personally, I've actually swapped away from using it as my main cloud storage just because it was uh, cheaper for me to use OneDrive and had more space on OneDrive and it uh, fitted in better with my workflow. Um, but I'm glad to see this arrive because quite regularly get sent uh, shared Dropbox links. And of course, that's a way you can access them as well on the Windows Phone yeah. client rather than having to go through a browser. So yeah, great news. Yeah, And legend, legend has it, there's a data center operated by uh, Microsoft somewhere in Texas, which is entirely dedicated to storing Rafe Blandford's files, which is, uh, <laughs> is partly where their profits have gone. Um, also updated last week was Twitter. Now, the, I kind of got some stick here. I said it was a minor update. It was not a 0.0.1 update in the version number. And of course, it was in terms of the number of bytes that had changed, it was a very, very minor update. But I will concede that it has a rather major impact because basically they've turned on a lot of the integration with other parts of the platform. So now that Windows Phone 8.1 is up to update one, and of course we've got Denim rolling out, all of a sudden now, I guess Twitter felt, okay, now we can start turning things on. And basically they flicked the flag inside the code, which means it now shows up more reliably in the share to menus from other applications. Um, and also uh, also appears as an account now in the People Hub. And, of course, if you remember the early days of Windows Phone, uh, Twitter was always built into the People Hub. So, in, essentially, you've got a return to the old days in the, in the People Hub. You've got share to from all over the platform. You've also got it flicks the flags. So you now get Cortana integration. In theory, you can start a, a tweet and tweet something um, all, all using voice, all using Cortana. So a 0.0.1 update, Rafe, has had rather major ramifications for day-to-day life for people. Yes, I seem to recall I mentioned some of the People Hub integration last time round, and I've actually had reason to use it a couple of times when I've been calling people, and you can just flick across and see what they've been up to uh, from their status updates. Obviously, you get Facebook there as well. I haven't tried out the uh, Cortana integration, so I'll have to give that a go. But sometimes just goes to show you can't really rely on the version number or the change log that's present on either the sites or the app store. And this, yeah, it is a pretty big one from uh, Twitter, although, of course, it's still some way behind Twitter on other smartphone platforms, you know, no sign of the new video stuff, for example. But uh, I wonder whether Twitter might uh, be able to get the updates out in slightly more timely fashion and sort of give a little bit more love to Windows Phone. On the other hand, the other platforms are behind the Twitter version of Windows Phone because the other platforms haven't got the dark theme yet for all their AMOLED screens. So I would <laughs> well, I would true. argue that in, in that sense, the Windows Phone version is better. Uh, well, there we go. We can always find something <laughs> to be positive about. And finally, just to mention, um, we mentioned Skype briefly. I have been using Skype on the 930, the 830 and the 1520 this week. I'm really quite impressed. I know all I did was basically shrink the fonts down. They've called it a more compact design, basically acknowledging the fact that screens have got bigger and they want to fit more information on more contacts, more chat, more icons and so forth. I think that it's 
everything was designed um, a year or two ago when the, the resolutions were lower. Now we've got higher resolution phones, bigger screens. They, they, they had to do something, and I think they've done a great job. I'm really enjoying using Skype on Windows Phone. Now, I, I would say I'm using it more and enjoying it more than on Android, which I've also got access to. So, uh, again, well done to Microsoft, because, of course, Skype is a Microsoft company. It is, and I think it's been a long story on Windows Phone. The first versions were, quite frankly, not very good at all. But it is now getting to the point where it's pretty reliable in terms of the incoming notifications and when you get calls on Skype as well. And it's something I use regularly for keeping in contact with uh, friends and family. So it was kind of refreshing to see this update that makes slightly better use of the screen on the 5-inch devices, and particularly if you're on something like the 1520. The other thing that no doubt um, Steve liked very much indeed was the, the high contrast theme. So it can be all hunky-dory on his AMOLED devices. Yes. No, I, I wasn't convinced by that, actually. I, I, <laughs> I, I, will, I did do a screenshot of it. So obviously I want to emphasize that, that, that this, quote, dark theme uh, was there. But I also checked back on an older version of Skype from about three months ago on a different device, and it was already there. So I can't really claim that's a new feature that hasn't ah. been there for quite a while. Just no one noticed. Ah, okay, right. Well, we, we won't say that one too too loudly then. Uh, but it's interesting to see quite a few of these high-profile updates have come through in the last, you know, I guess it's the last couple of weeks. And uh, perhaps all the attention may have been on Windows 10 and Lumia Denim, but I suspect some of these changes in terms of stuff that you use day in, day out, clearly the camera on the 930 is going to have the, the biggest impact. But, of course, it's worth remembering that that's only a relatively small number of the Windows Phone devices. Having a, a, a Twitter update that works with PeopleHub is going to be impacting on everybody, you know, from the 520 right up to the 1520. And similarly for things like uh, Skype and the arrival of Dropbox, they, that's good for the entire Windows Phone ecosystem. And so those changes, in some ways, are almost more important and have a, a bigger impact. And so together with some of the other updates we've talked about recently, like uh, the Spotify one, um, and actually uh, thinking back through various app updates that I've uh, seen come across, including the here ones that were out, uh, well, I think that was uh, late last year rather than this year. But there have been quite a few of them, and there's a few applications that have uh, been appearing as well, um, in, as well as games. And so it feels like there's actually been quite a bit of healthy app activity so far this year, and it'll be interesting to see how much that continues. Uh, you wrote, I think, about the Mathologica titles that just arrived on Windows Phone in the last few days recently, Steve. Yes, yes. Now, I, I wasn't entirely convinced by the use cases, and at least I wasn't for photo math last year. But it's, it's interesting to see. I mean, Mathologica is a, a pretty major website, and of course it's cross-platform, but the website it works really appallingly in Internet Explorer. And so uh, they obviously looked at it and said, look, we need to do a proper client, and well done to the team. It's a fairly basic imitation of, of the website experience, you know, apart from a few swishy carousels of icons and symbols and numbers. But they've done a good job, and it is a native app, and hey, it's there and it's available. So we need more of these more for more web services from more developers. So, yeah, positive all around. I suspect a lot of this activity has been timed to coincide with, quote, Windows 10 wheat rafe. Um, and that uh, we may see a slight slowing down of momentum now we're away from this this focus on Microsoft just for, for, for now, for now at least. And then maybe things will pick up again towards Mobile World Congress. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, we have certainly seen quite a bit of activity. And, you know, there's been various beta updates to VLC, which we mentioned earlier as well. Um, Sidic has been releasing their uh, GPS navigation application, the kind of the latest version or the latest variant of that as well. And so... It feels like it's reason to be a bit more optimistic. And just going back to what we were saying at the beginning in terms of the number of shipments, you know, it certainly feels a lot healthier than it was, you know, 18 months ago. Again, 
sound like a bit of a broken record because keep saying that. But um, whenever there's this question about does Windows Phone have a future, you sort of go, well, yes, it's actually got better than it was, and it's better than it will. It's better than it was 12 months ago. It's going to get better in the next uh, six months. And so, despite all the negativity you sometimes get, and especially you know, there's this kind of Windows 10 gets talked about in the same breath as that, but Windows Phone is only two and a half percent of the market. Uh, I just think it's sometimes worth reminding ourselves if we step back from kind of being in the uh, Windows Phone world all the time and look at how other people view it. As uh, I think there's actually good reasons to be quite optimistic. And so some of those app updates, and I think particularly if you look at this uh, Lumia camera update, that's really fantastic news for users of the high-end Lumia devices. And then Windows 10, which will you know, be benefiting all Windows Phone 8 users. There's quite a bit to look forward to. Um, so. Yeah. Yes, it's it, it's nice to be able to talk in a podcast about the things that really like and have a real impact on how I use his device on a, a day-to-day basis. Talking of that, I'll finish with a mention that the Netflix app is still completely broken on the Lumia 735 and 830, which has a very real day-to-day impact on how I use my smartphone. So the 830 is currently in the corner in disgrace. Um, I'm... I still can't believe that the the Lumia 830 country variant for the UK is still not even listed on on Microsoft's availability page for Denim. So there's clearly something fishy there. But until they fix it, um, the, until Denim arrives on the 830, I can't cannot use Netflix at all. So I so I shall watch this space for news on that. Hopefully Denim will arrive in the next week before the next podcast. I did write a piece, Rafe, and I want to ask you to comment on it now. Um, choosing between the Lumia 830 and 930 and pointing out the pros and cons for each. And uh, maybe in the next podcast, we can return to that, possibly with hindsight with the 830 on the, the latest version of Denim as well. And then we really can have a good comparison because I know you've got strong views on both of them. Yes, I mean, I, I read the article with interest and actually it kind of made me go, right, I need to sort of check out and give the 930 a bit more of a chance because I've been using the 830 as my main device. And as it happens, Denim has also arrived, which kind of gives me an excuse to do so. Yeah. I will say, even in the short period I've been using the 930, I have kind of missed the slightly thinner lines and slightly lighter weight of the 830. How much of that is sort of just my perception in my mind? It's tricky to say, obviously, it is a slightly smaller device. And I certainly missed having the always-on display or the glance display. So that's something I use pretty much every night or every morning just to check the time rather than having to pick up and switch the device on. But there's certainly things in favour of the 930, and I don't just mean the uh, Denim update. So I'm going to give it a bit of a run as my main device. And yes, we'll report back in a future podcast. Okay, well, look out for that next week. In the meantime, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me as well.